0: Hello and welcome to the BVC podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. So, Pastor God, I thank you for uh, for Kelly's testimony and just, just the idea, God, that um, that we can seemingly be away from the church for 25 years, but never be away from you. That you are always keeping us close. You're always keeping us within view of your eye. You're always holding us and ready to pull us back in. So I just thank you, God. I just want to rest um, this morning in the assurance of your goodness that, God, you are quick to forgive, quick to love, quick to exercise grace. That you are passionate to defend your children. You run out after us. So I just pray in this moment and as I share this message, that for any of us who struggle maybe with the religious spirit or with guilt or condemnation or with any idea that we have to be something or do something to earn our standing with You, that in this moment, the Holy Spirit would just completely set us free from that thought. And that in this moment, just the overwhelming security of knowing that our salvation is based on Your goodness and not on our effort. In Jesus' name, uh, the word influence has been part of the English language for thousands of years. People have used the word influence. But it wasn't until 2019 that Merriam-Webster's Dictionary put the word influencer into the dictionary. All those years, it wasn't until 2019 that it was added, the word influence was added to the dictionary. There's always been People of influencers, but it wasn't until we had the marriage between social media and the millennial generation that we really gave birth to this new moniker, this new name of influencer. An influencer is defined as someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others of their authority, knowledge, position, relationship, authenticity, or authenticity with their social media audience. And so what influencers influencers are, they are people who post, make posts, or put pictures of themselves on social media, wearing, using products, being in certain locations, all in an effort to get their followers to buy or to believe in the same product. Now, there are a lot of different influencers. There are micro-influencers who operate more geographically, and then there are just universal influencers who make tons of money. At the top of the influencer heap is Portuguese soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo. Interestingly enough, Cristiano Ronaldo was the first social media influencer to surpass 500 million followers. Intriguing biblical note about that, at the time that Jesus walked the face of the earth, the earth's population was around 300 million. Cristiano Ronaldo has more followers than lived at the time that Jesus was alive. Ronaldo makes anywhere between $880,000 and a million dollars per post. Do you imagine making that much? I've seen some of your posts. They're not worth $880,000. His are. $880,000 for making a post. All those years that I posted food pictures. And I got nothing from it. When you stand back and you take a look at what's happening on social media with the influencers, there's a couple concerns that, that one might have. And the first one is, Is that the social media influencers, social media influencers really put almost all of their attention and all of their focus on external on external beauty, on external pleasure, on external location. The idea is that if, if you wear this cham- use this shampoo or wear these jeans or wear these sunglasses or use this makeup, you're going to look this beautiful and your friends will be this beautiful. And you will have as much fun and you'll visit as exotic locations as I visit if you use these products. But everything is based on the, the external pleasure that you get from buying the product. And that's problematic because what we're doing is we're creating a very shallow generation of people who buy things for external pleasure. The other problem is we are raising up a generation who's going to live in disappointment because after they spend $250 on these jeans, they're going to realize they don't look quite the same as the person who is advertising them on social media. The other concern that you might have is that the influence of these influencers, whether it was intended to or not, extends beyond just influencing what people purchase. And we are part of a generation where social media influencers also influence morality, influence spirituality, influence political positions, influence self-image, and the self worth that people have. And so it raises the question who are our influencers? Who are the people influencing us? Who are the people influencing our teens and our kids? And does that matter to us? So today we're kicking off a new series entitled Influencers Living a Life Worth Following. And it's important to note that even though influencers was just added to the dictionary in 2019, you can make an argument that God is a big fan of influencers. That the Bible really is an account, story by story, of men and women who were influencers in their generation and in their community. Men and women who were used of God to influence people around them. And so throughout this series, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at biblical examples of influence and how God used influencers to impact generations and communities. And secondarily, we're going to take a look at how God is calling you and I to be influencers and how he is calling you and I to lead a life that is worth following. Now, for every series that we do, which usually runs three, four, or five weeks, we always have a key scripture that kind of acts as an umbrella scripture for all of the messages that will be preached in that series. Interestingly enough, the key scripture for this series is also the key scripture for our Kids City Kids Ministry. And this is what it says in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot... Be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, long before TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, God called his followers to be influenced. There is a call on your life to be an influencer. And so the purpose of this series over the next four weeks is for you and I to learn how to become an influencer who leads a life that is worth following. And I want to make a little bit of an ironic point this morning when you consider it. Those people who consider themselves social media influencers who that is their career or a part of their career, social media influencers are keenly aware of how everything that they do, everything that they say, everything that they wear, everything that they put out there in the universe for people to, to see, everything that they do affects their influence. They are very strategic about what they say and what they put and how they live and where they go and what they do because they understand that their action is going to affect their followers. And if you talk to any influencer, they have a whole strategy as how to maintain or gain followers. And what's ironic about that is it could be said that social media influencers are paying far more attention and are far more strategic to the life that they are living and the followers that they have than you and I are as Christians. How often do we do things, say things, post things, uh, act in a certain way, way, and never stop long enough to say, what influence am I having? How is what I'm about to say? How is what I'm supposed to do? How am where I'm supposed to go going to influence That are followers in my life, the people that God has put in my life to influence. So, my prayer is that in this series or through this series, it'll help us to understand and embrace the idea that you are that city, that you are that lamp, that you are the one in your particular neighborhood. That you are the one at your workplace. That you are the one in your crazy, dysfunctional family. That you are the one that shines the light. That shows people the pathway to God. That you are the one when everybody is just talking off the top of their head and everybody is just saying whatever comes to mind. You are the one who is stopping long enough to think what is going to be the impact of what I say, and is it going to move people closer to God or further from God? My prayer is that each of us will become a brighter light and a greater influence in the families and the communities and for our high school and college students, our classrooms that we are called to be part of. So today we're going to begin this series with a message Called Influencers of Empowerment. And we're going to learn what it means to be an influencer of empowerment by reading a story about a young man named Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And before we get into the little conversation that happened in that story, let me give you a little bit of a background. And so, in the Old Testament, Israel, the people of God, had kind of an on-again-off relationship with God. And in this particular time, they they had wandered away from God. And as a result of wandering away from God, they ended up in a bad place. And so, what was happening is is every year, the Israelites would uh, plow their fields and plant their crops. And then right around harvest time, the Midianites, a much larger group of people would come down, swoop down like a herd of locusts, and just eat up all of the harvest, eat all of the animals, and leave the people of God destitute of any resources. It was so bad that at this time they were literally living in in caves and cliffs in the mountains just to remain safe. And this has been going on for seven years. And the story opens up in the darkness of night. And a young man by the name of Gideon is trying to eke out just enough food to keep his family alive. And lo and behold, an angel appears to him. An angel who ultimately influences him through empowerment. And this is a conversation. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "'The Lord is with you, mighty warrior.'" "'Pardon me, my lord,' Gideon replied." But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving not one alive. I think Gideon in this story is not unlike so many other people that we rub shoulders with. People who have gone through so many years of disappointment that they've lost all hope. Gone through so many years of discouragement that they just have no confidence left. We all know people who have just been so beaten down by life that they've given up and they've accepted their circumstances as their faith. There are some people who have been dealing with debt and financial stress for so long that they've just accepted that's their reality. They're no longer looking for a way out or looking for a leg up. They're just, this is the way my life is. They can't see anything past that. There are people who have been dealing with addiction in their life or in the life of a loved one for so long and nothing has changed. So it's almost as if addiction has just moved into their house and is there to stay There are people who are in abusive relationships that are in this cycle and they just don't know how to break the cycle and they don't know how to get out. There are people who find themselves in a dead-end career and they don't see any way forward or any way out. And so they're just stuck. And there are people who once had dreams, goals, and ambitions, but circumstances cause all those dreams to be lost. We all know, and maybe some of us have been, in life situations that are so discouraging and deflating and defeating. And it's into those lives. It's into those circumstances. It's into those shadows of night where people are weeping and just trying to imagine a way out. Just doing what they can barely do to survive. It's into those lives and those moments that God calls you and I. God calls you and I to be their angel. God calls you and I to speak into their lives the way the angel spoke into Gideon's life. What we learn from this story is that God calls His followers to use their influence to empower those who lost hope. And I want to begin with this critical point, and that is this, that each one of us in this room that have come to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. That in that moment that we pray that prayer of salvation, the power of God began dwelling within us. And so you and I have the power to empower others because we have God's power living within us. If you're here today and you've never come to that point in your life where you say, I want the creator of the universe, I want the son of God who died for my sins to be dwelling in me. You can do that today. We make that available every Sunday. But the reason why you and I can empower those who have lost all hope is because you and I have that power living within us. What we're going to see in this story of Gideon. And the angel is that the angel empowered Gideon by doing two simple things. It wasn't complicated. This isn't going to be a tough message to listen to or to remember. Two simple but strategic things, influential things, that you and I can do on a daily basis. And the first one was, we're called to empower others by what we choose to see. We and empower others by what we choose to see. There was almost like, uh, for those of you who remember Abbott and Costello, who's on first, who's on second, kind of interchange. There was almost one of those between the angel and Gideon. It was almost humorous. They were going back and forth, and like they weren't even connecting. They weren't even on the same wavelength. Because they were looking at two totally different Gideons. Gideon was looking at a much different Gideon than what the angel was looking at. And everything the thing, everything that the angel said, Gideon didn't see. And everything that Gideon saw, the angel didn't see. And so yeah, they have this conversation where it's going back and forth. And it's like they're not seeing the same thing. Gideon opens up and he says, all this has happened to us. And when he said those words, there was Seven years of death. Seven years of seeing loved ones killed by the Midianites. Seven years of seeing houses burned. Seven years of seeing crops being robbed. Seven years of being ro- uh, mocked and ridiculed. It wasn't just a, a bad day. It wasn't just a bad week. It wasn't just a bad month, a bad quarter, a bad year. It was seven years of All this has happened to us. What Gideon was saying in that moment is I don't see any way out. I don't see anything changing. I don't see any hope. I don't see any reason to even keep living. You ever sit down with someone and they just say, I've been looking for seven years for a way out. I just can't see a way out. That was Gideon. Those people are around us. And Gideon says, where are his wonders? The Lord has abandoned us. For those who go through such desperate and discouraging times, if they have any connection with God in their past or in their moment, it is so easy for them to lose sight of God. The valley gets so deep And the darkness of night gets so black that they lose sight of God. And they just can't see where He is. I just don't see God. So on top of everything else that's happening, I'm alone and I've been abandoned. And the last thing that Gideon shared was, I'm the least in my family. Depending on which biblical commentator you read, some Bible commentators believe what that phrase was referring to was that Gideon was the youngest of all of his brothers and in those days, birth order really mattered. Other biblical commentators believe that what Gideon was referring to was that all of his other brothers had been killed in the war with the Midianites and he was the last one left. And so Gideon was looking at himself and he was saying, do you not know the limitations that we're working with here. You're not talking about all of my brothers, my older br- brothers, my most gifted brothers, or the valiant warriors. You're talking about the runt, the last one that's left, the last one who is just sitting here in the darkness. And how easy it is for us when we go through these times of darkness and how easy it is for those of us around us who in the midst of dark, discouraging times are blinded by their own limitations. And they just don't see how they, given their limitations, given their past, given their record, given their failures, given their weaknesses, will ever be able to change anything. And that was all that Gideon could see. And as a result, that's all he could believe. He had no belief beyond what he could see until the angel spoke to him. Now listen to the words that the angel spoke, which were much different what the angel was seeing than what Gideon saw. The first thing the angel said was, the Lord is with you. A strange thing to say in response to someone who just said, the Lord has abandoned me. But the role that you and I play in people's lives is that sometimes we can see God working in their lives when they no longer can Sometimes we can see God still working through them when they think that God has abandoned them. Sometimes, from our vantage point, from where we stand, we have a better perspective of things and we can say, hey, you can't see it from where you are. But I want you to know that God is coming, God is working. That's an incredibly powerful role. That when people are in that place of discouragement, their eyes cannot see the goodness of God. So you and I can kind of step into that void and we can say, wait a second, I see something that you don't see. And sometimes what you and I are, we are the extension between the hopelessness of people and the help of God. And we step into that place and say, there's help. There's help for you. Your situation may be hopeless, but it's not hopeless with God. And that's the role that you and I play. And there are so many people that are in our circles of influence. We'll talk about this at the end of service. But there are so many people that you and I are connected to who cannot see God. But you can see God in their lives. You can choose to see God in their circumstances. Then the angel says, Mighty warrior. A strange thing to call a young man who had probably never picked up a sword. Go in the strength you have. See, sometimes we can see in people things that they can't see. Sometimes the things that have been said to them and the circumstances and the failures and the struggles of their life have so painted a picture in their mind of who they are that they can't imagine themselves being anything else. And you and I can walk into their lives and say, I see something different in you. And that's a very powerful gift that we can give people. Finally, the angel says this, you will strike down all the Midianites. And sometimes we can see outcomes that people can't see. Sometimes maybe we've been through a challenge before. we've been through a trial. And we say, I, I've been where you are. Your death come out better on the other side. Stick with it. Sometimes we can stand back and see, listen, there's an end in sight. Sometimes we have the power to just say to people, keep going. Don't give up. Good things are on the way. There's a song that we sung today. Your love is better than life. Your love is better than all of these things. uh, God's love is better than what you're experiencing. Hold on to that promise. And if you and I are going to be influencers, then we need to see things that other people aren't seeing. And we need to see things before other people are seeing them. It's so easy for you and I to kind of fall into this routine of just seeing things with our natural eye. It's not difficult for any of us to walk into a situation where somebody's life is completely destroyed, completely disappointed, and we go, oh yeah, that's a bad situation, and walk away. Anybody can do that, but you and I are called to a higher standard. This really ties into the core of who we are as a church. So as a, a vineyard church one of the core values we have as a Vineyard Church is just our value and appreciation for the spiritual gifts that we, we find lifted in First Corinthians. and The spiritual gifts, they kind of fall under this umbrella of what are called revelatory gifts. And by revelatory gifts, what I mean is the spiritual gifts give us access to information that allows us to know and to see things that we wouldn't otherwise know. We wouldn't understand or we wouldn't see. And these gifts are available. And as we're in your church, we say we, don't, we need to operate in the gifts because we can't be walking around this world. We can't be walking in and out of people's lives blindly. We can't be walking into those lives only seeing what they see. We need to be able to walk into people's lives and walk into our communities and see things that nobody else is seeing or see it before they see it. And, and, and part of that whole identity that we have as a Vineyard church is that we do this naturally supernatural. We just walk around and you know what? We just in a very casual way to say, I see something in you. Sometimes we're in a situation and we just stop saying, hey, before I say anything, and I often do this, I'll stop and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to see that I can't see? What do you want me to see that is being so overshadowed by the circumstances? And the Holy Spirit will often show us, reveal to us things that we would otherwise not see. I want to challenge you. Don't walk through life blind trying to lead other blind people. Walk through life with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Walk through life seeing potential, seeing opportunity, seeing the power of God, seeing the movements of God in the middle of the darkness. Learn to exercise those spiritual gifts. Learn to see things. Stop long enough. Pause long enough. Ask the Holy Spirit and wait long enough for Him to give you a vision of what's really going on. And then you can be that influence. You can be the person that comes along and says, I can tell you something that you're not seeing. Like the angel did for Gideon. People desperately need to know that there is more going on than what their eyes can see. And there's no one outside of these walls that can tell them that. You and I are the city on the hill. You and I are the lamp. Not that life our path, but like the path of those people who we need to pull into a relationship with God. Here's the second thing that the angel did for Gideon and that we're called to do. Is that we're called to empower others by what we say. By what we choose to say. One of the verses that I, I find myself quoting a lot, just because it's so applicable in so many different ways, is Proverbs 18.21, which says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we talk uh, a lot about that here, about the power of our words and being responsible for that. Just as a side note, one of the things I love about Brownsburg Vineyard Church is we I think we have a very high relational IQ. We, we have a high level of relational responsibility, and we hold people accountable and responsible relationally for what they say and how they say it. And, and that keeps the peace around here. We've got to be responsible for what we say, and are, are we Are we using our words wisely? And so that contributes to our culture, but it also can contribute to our ministry outside of these walls. And as influencers, we need to be fully aware of the power of our words. You need to be aware, and I need to be aware of how powerful our words are. I've often said this before, you maybe heard me say this before, that one of the best analogies I have for the power of our words is the imagery of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And what happens, for any of you who've taken CPR, what happens is mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which has so many um, points of connection with Scripture and so many times that we see God breathing life and we see the breath of God. It's such a good analogy of what you and I can do with our words. We can actually breathe life into people. I don't know if you know who William Hawes is, but William Hawes, back in 1773, was a British man, and he was one of the forefathers who kind of invented mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. So William Hawes was so dedicated to proving the effectiveness of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation that he would actually put up posters and banners all over England where he paid people out of his own pocket to bring recent drowned victims to him within a reasonable amount of time. If somebody you know has drowned, I will pay you to bring them to me. He believed so much that if if they would bring him a drowning victim, that he could bring that person back to life. He would literally pay money out of his own pocket to try to breathe life into a deceased person. You and I, like William Hawes, are called to breathe life into dead people, into discouraged people, into people who have lost their hope, lost their courage, lost their way. And we do that through the words that we speak. In the story that we read, the minute the angel said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, something was birthed or breathed into Gideon. It happened in an instant. But the reality is, is for the most part, those things don't necessarily happen that quickly. What tends to happen in life and in the people we have connections with, it's a cumulative effect of words. That it's negative word after negative word after negative word after negative word until a person is so beat down, condemned, discouraged that they just believe it. But conversely positive word after positive word after encouragement word after encouragement word that finally, one day, somebody finally says another encouraging word, and that's the moment, after 20 or 30 years of hearing it, they finally get it. For those of you who are parents from, kid, from of kids, you understand this dynamic. As a parent, you've told your kid over and over and over again what they can do, what they can become, a good, wise piece of information. You tell them this encouraging thing. And they have no; it doesn't affect them or impact them at all. And all of a sudden, they come home, and somebody else told them the exact thing you've been telling them, and the light bulb went on. Right? You ever have that happen? It's a cumulative effect. They just needed to hear it one more time. And so the question is: Will you be the person who, on the cumulative effect? says the last negative thing that breaks the back of a person and breaks the soul of the person, or will you be the person who through the cumulative effect will say the last positive thing that finally convinces them that they can be a mighty warrior? Harvard Business Review did a study that said the most highly effective or highly functioning team have a ratio of six positive words to one negative word. That if you get a group of people together in a business setting, the teams, whether it's a sales team or a production team, a research team, whatever it is, the most effective team have a six-to-one ratio positive to negative words. John Gottman did a great study on marriage and how this uh, interplays with marriage. And in healthy marriages, the ratio between positive and negative words are five positive words to every one negative word makes a healthy marriage. Listen to the ratio on divorces. 0.77 positive words to every negative word. That's not even a one for one. They followed thousands of marriages for about 20 years to do this study. And the marriages that ended in divorce were marriages that piled one negative word after another, after another, after another, after another until the marriage could not sustain another single negative word. Positive marriages are like an angel stepping into Gideon's life and speaking an encouraging, an affirming, loving word. Children hear 432 negative comments to 32 positive words a day. Most people that you know are operating at a deficit of affirming, and empowering words. With. Most of us here in this room are operating at a deficit. And so the first challenge in this series about being influencers of empowerment is will you be the person who speaks the positive word that brings them life? I'm going to have the worship team come forward. I want to show this one last slide because I really think this is the image that I want to leave you with and maybe for you to consider as we move into a reflection time. So it's pretty basic. Nothing, you know, amazing here. I just made this nice little circle chart for you. But there's really three spheres or three circles of influence that we all live in. We all have the people who mean the most to us, right? That center circle. People who we love, whether we're married to them, their kids, our very dear friends, the people who matter to us the most. And the question there is, if these people matter to you the most, if you love them the most, is that reflected in how you speak to them? Are you speaking the most affirming words to them? Now we're all at different stages of life, and sometimes the stage of life that we're at gives us a unique perspective. As now a parent of three adult children, one of the one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of is I let a lot of words and a lot of opportunities go by. That if I had the chance to turn back time, I would increase my affirming words a whole lot more. And I I was a pretty decent parent. I was a lot more affirming than my own dad. But at that, I often look at my kids and, oh, man, I sure wish I could go back and double up. Find myself now just randomly texting my kids just, for what it's worth, I love you. For what it's worth, we're proud of you. You don't know how many opportunities. responsible to be an influence in their life. So how are you influencing the people that matter to you most? The next circle is the people that we spend the most time with. These are the people whether whether it's a bond of love or just a logistical bond because we work with them every day or they're our neighbors or they're around us, but they are the ones that God has given us the most leverage in and the most opportunities. When you walk out of the office or when you walk out of the room, what is the general impression or thought people have of you? When you walk into the room, are people expecting you to walk in and say something negative or are they walking in and expecting you to say something positive? What is the general consensus or opinion of what you bring to the table, life or death? Are you the one that comes alongside people who are discouraged and empower them forward or you just pile on? And then the last circle are just people that we randomly come across. There's a person in the congregation today, several weeks ago, gave me a call just randomly. And he said, we never met. And he was in a tough situation, and he said this to me. He said, I just need a reason to live. And we talked on the phone, and we got together, and they're here this morning. And they now have a reason to live. Conversation. And I don't know if any of us realize the deficit that most people are operating at when it comes to affirmation and empowerment. And we don't realize how close many people are to completely giving up. And you and I have the power in a single word to change all of that by what we choose to say. So I want to challenge you to step into this void, to into this deficit and to be an influencer of it. Make it your mission to go through the day and say, let me find somebody here who is downtrodden, who is discouraged. Let me try to to find a person whose shoulders are slumped or who has uh, has that look. We know that look on a person's face. Let let me look for that person. Let me keep my ears open for somebody sharing about going through a rough situation in life. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to speak this Word. I'm ready to speak prophetically in our life. Be that type of person. Last week we dealt with the whole abortion issue and all of this political and and legislative and all of this stuff. And I, I remind you, the law of love, we're called to the law of love. Let's step into the law of love and empower people. Let me close with this last verse. Jump ahead two chapters from the story that we read. And this is how the story of Gideon ends in Judges 8. It says, Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not rise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. One empowering conversation, 40 years of peace. My question to you is what could happen if you had one empowering conversation each day? Could it be that you had one conversation with a person and in 40 years they come back and said, do you remember that conversation? From that day forward, I lived in peace. That's the power we have. Let me pray. God, I just thank You for this message and for the challenge that it presents to us. I thank You, God, that for so many of us in this room, we have had angels come along and speak words of empowerment to us. We have had... People come along and, and resuscitate us. And so I pray, God, that you would stir inside of us just the, uh, the willingness to answer the call, to be the city on the hill, to be the lamp in the to, to light the darkness, to be the voice of hope amongst the hopeless, to be the voice of courage amongst those who have lost courage, to be the voice of power for those who have lost all sense of power. I'm going to call the prayer team forward this morning. And here's what we're going to do. The worship team and the ladies are going to end up in this last song. and You can stand and sing this song. You can sit and and just reflect. But I want to make uh, the prayer team available. If you're here today and you just say, you know what? I'd love to receive a word of affirmation. Everyone on our prayer team just operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they will speak life and encouragement to you. I would encourage you, don't even walk out of here today without taking a free gift of encouragement with you. So let's stand together. Worship team is going to play through this song. And if you need a word of encouragement or you just want to have the courage to be that influencer, then come forward and receive that from one of our prayer teams today. But don't leave here today without receiving that word of affirmation and that empowering.